The 17th of September, 2013, the 10th of September, 2016, and the 12th of September this year, 2017, all have something in common. They were the day that I first spotted Christmas items in a Sainsbury's supermarket. Now, I I know those dates because um, I took a photo of the shelves and posted it on Facebook. So I was able to look back and go, well, when was it that it was? So, um, and it was just a few cakes, maybe a Christmas pudding, maybe a stocking filler, and then it would grow. And then it would become a whole aisle. And then it would grow. And as the weeks have passed since then, it kind of starts to take over the entire shop. It's like the little bit of yeast that goes into making bread. It spreads and grows and seems to take over. And it seems that you're urged to eat the rich food and uh, buy gifts for those you love or by looking at some of the things, maybe for those that you don't really love that much at all. And there's a level of expectation and excitement in the air as this gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But yet, as that happens, there's not really a lot there to say what the expectation and the excitement is about, about the true story of Christmas. I guess the same could be said of many an Advent calendar I have one on the mantelpiece in Rycroft, um, and it ha- uh, that Emmeline got for me, and it's very tasty. Um, and I say it's very tasty because behind each door, once you punch your way through a thin metal foil, you get to a chocolate, and you can eat the chocolate and go, mmm, that's nice. And there's 24 doors to open. And I assume that means I have to take 24 days. But it might not. It could be one for each hour of the day. You know, I could just stay up a whole day eating one an hour. But there's nothing to say, actually, on the advent calendar, what you're supposed to do with it, or what it is counting, or what it marks. It's a way of selling chocolate. It seems to be perhaps a period of waiting. But what are we waiting for? What are we getting excited about? What is our expectation? Earlier in the service, we thought of the news given to Mary by the angel. News of great joy 
something that she wasn't to be afraid about. She was going to have a child. How could this be? It's, it's God's son. It's going to be the Messiah. The one that's been long promised. The anointed one is coming. And the people would encounter God with us. At Christmas we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But there is much more to Advent than waiting to celebrate a birthday. Waiting to celebrate a baby in a manger. Even though that baby is God's own son. Advent is a time to think of coming in general. How Christ came into the world. How Christ will come again. Five months back, if you're memory serves you well. You might recall that we were reading Daniel. And on the 2nd of July, again, thanks to my computer, and I can look back and see which sermon was which, we heard that Daniel had a dream. And it featured four winds that churned the sea as a prelude to the coming of the Son of Man. In Mark 13, we have pictures of things that will happen again as the Son of Man comes. The stars in the sky not being in the right place, something going on. And the words that Jesus shares would bring memories of those scriptures that the disciples have heard before. Scriptures like Daniel, Zechariah, who spoke of the Lord appearing in a storm. And if you uh, follow the, the footnotes at verse 25... Uh, you'll see references to Isaiah uh, speaking of both clouds and of the heavens collapsing the destruction of all the prophets point to the awesome experience that Christ's second coming will be But the apocalyptic visions of wind, beasts, storms, stars falling, it sounds even more catastrophic than any disaster movie that's ever come out of Hollywood. Any thing that we can imagine. And that would suggest that it was hardly something to look forward to. hardly something to look forward to except with fear we are told heaven and earth will pass away that is quite some destruction that is quite a change 
But then, like the coin that has two sides, there is another side to the story. The cloud that has the silver lining. The storm of this apocalypse has not just a silver lining, but a glorious outcome as the Son of Man comes. Although the world will end, Jesus says, his word won't. It will continue. And if we think back to that Daniel passage, Daniel 7, we heard that the Son of Man will be given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The word of the word remains. He will outlast even that destruction of earth and the destruction of the heavens. Sometimes we we get afraid, we get worried. We watch the news. And on some levels we might be concerned as to the future. What will Brexit bring? What will happen in the economy? What is happening politically around the world? What's happening in Zimbabwe? What will be the future of a land like that? And then we see something like the saber rattling between America and North Korea and say, will it come to war? What destructive powers are there? And that is something that we can be concerned about. We long for peace. But we can also trust in the Lord and say whatever the powers are on earth, his power is greater. And even if we are foolish and destroy this earth, the Lord will remain And every power will bow before him. There is a picture of hope and peace beyond our understanding, beyond our full comprehension. A day will come. And we are to watch and wait for this to happen. And as an example of watching and waiting and seeing signs of the future, Jesus gave a picture of a budding fig tree. And he's teaching this during Holy Week, the run-up to Passover, um, sat on the Mount of Olives there with his friends. And he says, look at it. Look at fig trees. And it is the spring. And just a few days before, 
there was another fig tree. Earlier in the week, between the entry from Palm Sunday, that jubilant entry, when the king was praised as he came on a donkey, and the entry into the temple where he turns over the tables of the money changers, Jesus sees a fig tree that is in leaf, but yet not bearing fruit. Spring is there, but it is not yet summer. You see the signs of summer coming, but it's not yet summer. He says, look for the signs. There'll be a season. The disciples will know. But that's not to say it's going to be in the summertime, but a spiritual summer, a season that is recognizable. The actual time of return is unknown. Even it would seem Jesus in his earthly ministry doesn't know when it will be. In his parable with the servants, he gives evening, midnight, and dawn as possibilities for the master's return. Only the Father knows. And anybody that tries to tell you differently has got it wrong. But this wider concept of timescale is a bit mysterious. The wider concept in our generation, in your generation, it says in verse 30, is not necessarily meaning in their lifetime. That could be a reference to the destruction of the temple, which happened about 30, 40 years later, and was within the lifetime of some of those who were there. But the word that we translate as generation might mean in the time of humanity, in the time of there being people, these things will come to pass. And so he says, watch, be ready. But he doesn't equate watching and being ready with inaction. Of simply sitting there, you know, on the seat, twiddling your thumbs, going, yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, I'm watching. It's not that sort of watching. It's not like I, if I sit down to watch television, I can't be doing anything else. You know, um, if I get the iPad out or my phone out and I try to look something up, I lose track of what's going on on the telly, you know. It's gone. I, I, can't, I can't multiplex that way. Emlyn can, but I can't. I have to be focused. It's not just sitting, watching. It's being active in our watching. It's actually about doing something else. As the master goes away, he leaves his servants in charge to look after the house, to do the work 
to engage in what his ministry already is. Twice during his ministry, Jesus had sent disciples out to share the good news, to cast out spirits, bring healing to the villages of Galilee and beyond. At the end of his ministry, at the Great Commission, the followers are sent out again to carry out that task, to go to the ends of the earth, proclaiming the good news. And this is what we're called to do. Not to sit and watch and wait. Our service is not limited to a church service on a Sunday morning. (coughs) But we're called to engage as God's people. To be those servants that are ready for Christ's return. Not just knowing that he will come, but acting with our lives in the way that we must. Our faithfulness is not a secondary item. In the box, along with Mary and the angel, with some tissue paper, stop things rattling about. You know, a bit of padding to be in there. But our faithful life is not a bit of tissue paper that goes round about our work and our family and just kind of pads things out a bit. Our faithfulness is not the secondary item that takes up that spare space, but is to be the very purpose of who we are. To serve the Lord. To do his job. And that's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. So that we can be equipped to be his body in the world. Every single day. Being fruitful in the world. Bringing a hint of summer. Even though it's chilly. And dark outside. We have to bring light. And warmth into the world the light and warmth of the Lord as we introduce the love of God to others this advent we must remember that there's actually three aspects of advent there is the coming that happened in Bethlehem the coming of the baby Christ coming and dwelling among us. There is the coming that will be in the future, the one we look forward to, the one where the Lord's reign will be seen over all the earth and every knee will bow. But there's a third one that this Advent I want you to think about. Each day we should be inviting the Lord to come into our heart anew that we prepare space for him, that we are ready to be his people, that we may have his love and joy and hope in our daily lives.
we can be renewed for service when we invite him to come and for him to be the purpose of our life. In October, when we started exploring Mark chapter 1, Jesus said, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's not, think about it and repent when you feel the time's right. It's a message saying the waiting's over. The kingdom is now. It's time for action. It's time for change. John the Baptist had prepared the way. But the day is now. So as you open your doors on your advent calendar, or maybe you've got a candle that you burn a little bit of each day, as you do your other preparations, as you send your cards and pop them in the post box, as you wrap your presents, whatever you do in the next four weeks, remember that although Christ is coming, Christ is already here. What are you waiting for? Be his people. And remember those words that we've just sung. Be the reason that I live. Jesus. Amen.